Good. I'm glad to be here. How about you? Come on, everybody. This feels good. Feels good to be back at church. Way to go. My name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm thrilled that you are here. And those of you who are veterans around here, you know that we welcome everybody who watches online later during the week. So let's do that together real quick. Hey, we love you guys. Even though you can't be here right now, you matter to us. And if you ever are in the room and you're wondering, why do we do that? Does anybody really watch? Well, just within a couple days of posting our Easter services, 88 people had let us know that they had watched online. And so it's a big deal. Uh, we have people all over Iowa, um, really all over Washington County that maybe can't be here, and uh, it's a big deal. So thanks for welcoming them, and you matter to us. You really do. And uh, we're just grateful for, uh, for you being here. But last weekend was, I mean, it was, it was magical. We kind of were like walking on, you know, you know, you know, clouds and, you know, doing stuff with Skittles all week long. I mean, it was just a powerful, powerful week for us because we were celebrating Easter, um, and it was just so fun. You guys, I'm telling you, Easter for us is like the Super Bowl Sunday of the year in church because it's the day that we really put on display our Christian faith. We let people know that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus provides hope for all of humanity, not just us who are in church, but all of humanity um, and so it's just an incredible reminder that uh, really we are not without hope in this world. We have Jesus, and that puts us all in the driver's seat, just so you know. We are winning because we have Christ in our lives, and so it's just so fun. We actually heard a story come in this last week as well. We had spent the majority of the message talking about the bridge of forgiveness that maybe some of us need to extend to somebody or we need to embrace for our own lives. And again, we had countless stories come in. One story was so good. Somebody said, you know what, I had... I had a divide in a relationship in my life for years. And on Easter Sunday, I decided that I was going to forgive an individual in my life, and they just let us know it's changing everything for them. To step into forgiving somebody who there's just been a relational chasm, and so I'm just proud of you. Uh, for others of you in the room, if you've made a bridge of forgiveness in any capacity in your life, we'd love to celebrate with you. Um, you let us know. Uh, you can do that on Facebook. You can do it you know, online. You can email me, Tony at citypoint.cc, or any of the staff members. We just... It is, it is one of the things that helps us keep going is to know that God's moving in your lives and it's just so, so good about that. But I wanna show you some Easter stats, okay? We won't spend a long time on this, but, but I think we'll need to celebrate. Uh, it's so fun. Come with me over to the screen real quick. Last Sunday, we had 940 people in attendance, everybody. That's pretty good stuff. Oh my goodness. That's unbelievable. That's, un that's 13% of Washington, Iowa proper, just so you know. And we know we had people from outside, but the stat's way more fun if you say 13% of your city. And it's just so fun. 940 people showed up to, to Easter at City Point. And I just want to say way to go for all of you who invited a friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor. It's a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal, way to go on that. M maybe more, ex I, I need you to get more excited because it is way more exciting than just a number. We saw 20 plus people make a faith line decision. Come on! I mean, that is, that's the whole ball game. It really is. Seeing somebody say, and we, we just, we, we asked people to raise their hands. If you let us know if, if you stepped over the faith line, if you embraced forgiveness for yourself, and it was incredible. So, so, so powerful. Again, if you made that decision, let us know. Um, we're not going to do anything weird with that. We're going to email you and let you know how you could start, you know, connecting with God on, you know, your own pace. And, uh, and we'll just put it at you in the driver's seat of letting us know how we can encourage you throughout that. Uh, this last week, one of our staff members actually said this. Almost 1,000 people showed up to a church that didn't exist three and a half years ago. Isn't that good? Almost 1,000 people showed up to a church. This is crazy. That didn't even exist three and a half years ago. Friends, I'm telling you, what God is doing in and among this place is 
It's unbelievable. It is actually unbelievable. The stories that, that I get to tell when I go to, you know, other networks, you know, and, and share about the happenings going on in our town here in Iowa. Their jaws drop. And seeing what God's up to is so fun. And it's just kudos to you to, you know, a bold vision, what God wants to do and what he can do in and through us. And it's just powerful. Here's a couple Easter pictures. This one's a little hard to see. But didn't the band do a great job? It was so fun. So fun. Yeah, you can, yeah, yeah we're clapping today, baby. <laughs> this is so good. Uh, maybe even more fun than that is this. I mean, see, we had hundreds of kids storm in there. They all got Easter, you know, eggs and all that stuff. Look how cute these little ones are. You know, they're so fun. You get to wipe their nose all day and, you know, do this. But so much fun doing that. Here's the prayer. I, again, some of you have heard this. This is, you know, old stuff for some of you. The prayers that were prayed prior to even starting Sitting Point were prayers right in the Scripture. And, and here's the prayer. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, All glory to God. And I, I want to pause on this, that we would always remember that this is not of my doing, not of our doing, that this is God's up to something bigger. So anything that is good, we're going to give credit to God. Anything, you know, not good, let's just put it on me, okay? That's just, that makes more sense in my brain. And we'll just say, all, all glory to God. Easter Sunday was all God's. Today is all God. If God's moving in any powerful way, we're just going to say, credits to him, the City Point staff, for heaven's sakes, me, we're not to be, it is all his, not ours, and that's just the best way it needs to be. We're going to keep showing people Jesus to the best of our ability, and we'll be tempted at times to go, oh, way to go, you know, the church is so cool, and oh man, the pastors are so fun, and, and all the volunteers, and we're just going, no, 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 the glory goes to God. We're going to make sure that we point our lives to him. So we don't get in the way of anything that God wants to do. But I love how it goes on to say this. And all glory goes to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. This, these were the prayers that we were praying. God, we know you're able and you want to work through us. And what you want to do is you want to accomplish infinitely more than I might even ask, imagine, or think. And that's what we're praying. We're still actually praying these prayers as we gather as a team and as we pray over the entire church, we're just praying bold prayers. God, would you do you know, immeasurably more than we could ask or think? Would you do that? And here's what I know. I know that as we step forward, there's gonna be times where we blow it. I mean, as a church, we step on each other's toes. We hurt each other's feelings. I mean, even on an Easter Sunday, that was so powerful. More than likely, I said something that offended somebody in the room. I mean, I'm just professionally good at doing that. You know, this is who I am. Carrie said, my wife, Carrie, goes home almost every week. She goes, why did you say that? What's, what's wrong with you? You know, it's just things that she says. And, and I'm just learning more and more about myself that I am totally imperfect, 100% imperfect, and so it's almost me standing before you going, hey, I'm sorry I'm not better, but I need you to know that we'll continue to do our best to honor God, to put him first, to make, to make him the focus, not ourselves. And as we do that, this will highlight the series that we're titled. We'll be imperfect. Yes, we still won't be perfect. But we'll be together. We'll be imperfectly together as we journey forward. We don't think there's any better picture of a church that's going to make a difference in a community than being a church that's imperfect. Yeah, you, we all got faults and flaws and mistakes and screw-ups. That's true of me. My goodness. But as we do this thing together, it shows people, man, we can do this better. We can be together. We can oops and we can move forward. We can have 
burdens that happen and find forgiveness and healing and keep this thing moving forward. And I'm telling you, as we do that, we're going to continue to reach more people for Christ, and it's going to be a big deal. But the truth is, today we're starting a new series that's not talking solely about how we navigate church dynamics. It's talking about our relationships, which include what we do in here. But I have a belief. I actually have a core belief of mine that, yes, we're imperfect together, but God wants our relationships, our marriages, our coworkers, you know, our family dynamics to be better than maybe what they're at right now. I actually wrote this down in my journal of a belief of mine. I actually believe that your relationships can be stronger. And I hope you do too. I hope where you're at right now isn't a rival destination for you. I hope you believe this to your core. Again, it's a, it's a foundational part of who I am. I just believe that they can all be stronger. We can get better. And I'm telling you what, Carrie and I have had a great run in our marriage. But I still think we can get better. I think we can get stronger. Maybe some of you are going, well, that's great. I've already, you know, made mistakes. I've already, you know, maybe I have some hurts in my past. Well, I actually believe this for you, that your future relationships can be stronger. This can be true of you, that we can be imperfect together, that we don't have to let what happened in the past dictate how we navigate in the future. It can be better, and I believe this not because I'm some eternal optimist. I believe this because you can't help but read through the pages of Scripture and see God pour out advice, his heartbeat, wisdom, you know, input into the areas called relationships of our lives. All throughout the pages of Scripture, we see gold nuggets. I was just blown away by one found in the, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. It's the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, and so it's a gathering, and just talk about the people there. We're all in relationships, different settings, you know, different backgrounds, but we all have them. And he says this. I mean, this is brilliant. This is worth coming to church, just hearing this one verse. He says, it's always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love. I'm telling you, what's packed into that one small verse? We could spend the rest of the five weeks looking at this, but I want to just skim through a couple of highlights that just spoke to me in such a powerful way this week. Jot this down if you're taking notes, by the way. Ephesians 4, verse 2. Paul says, always be humble and gentle. Two words that pack such a heavy punch that if you let them sink in, I'm telling you, your relationships will be stronger. Paul says, always be humble. What does he mean by that? Humble is not a word that we throw around a lot. Some people would say, oh, it's kind of weak stuff. But I'm telling you, humbleness is lowering your ego in a relationship that's huge. Being willing to say, I'm sorry, takes a heavy dose of humility. To be willing to say, I, I'm hurt. What you did has caused hurt. Takes lowering your ego to admit that somebody in your life has caused damage. So saying sorry and being hurt both take humility in our lives. And I'm telling you what, if you can lead with this, being humble, lowering your pride, it'll go a long way. But then he follows it up. Be humble, but don't stop there. He says, be gentle. And none of us guys in the room are walking around going, yeah, I'm gentle. Yeah, I'm tight. You know, I'm cool. Like in the gym, you know, it's like, I'm gentle. You know, I'm, yeah. You know, like, none of us do that. But I'm telling you, this... <laughs> It, the strength it takes to be gentle. You know what I just wrote down? It's not on the screen. In my journal, I wrote down this. I think gentleness is having kindness in conflict. And that's pretty good, you know, for, you know, not so smart up here. But, like, just being kind in the midst of conflict. How many relationships need that? Yet conflicts happen. 
But you know what? I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be gentle. I mean, I don't even have to explain to you how that bless your, your family, your relationships, your coworker, your every dynamic in your life, being humble and gentle. But then he doesn't even stop there. It's like, that's enough. I got enough content for the rest of my life to work on. He goes on to say this. You know, on top of that, be patient with each other. Good luck. Be patient. And if you're like me, the first time I read through this, all I saw was, sheesh, be humble, be gentle, be patient, you know, love each other. And I just had this, what if I don't feel like it? You know, like, don't you ever feel like, well, I don't want to do that. At which I'm glad the language in here is more command, not suggestion. At which I just jot this down in my journal. I think Paul is basically saying, choose to be. Choose today to be humble. Yeah, you're imperfectly together. Yeah, you're imperfect, and yeah, you're together, but choose to be humble. Choose to be gentle. Choose to be patient. Well, Tony, I don't feel like being humble. I don't feel like being gentle. I don't feel like being patient. And I just started going on a rant this last week just thinking about this, and I think some of us today, the biggest blessing we could do is get rid of the I feel reactions. And I know I just did. I just stepped on your toes, didn't I? And you're like, okay, now you just went there. You just did that. You just Because you want to know what we do to our two-year-olds? In our four-year-olds, we say, hey, I know you, you know, somebody stole your toy, but you, you feel sad, but you don't get to throw the tantrum. You don't get to lash out in anger. You don't get to, because you're too, well, I'm teaching you how to, and I just wonder for some of us in the relationships, now catch me on this, my heart for you, is that we get rid of the I feel, and we do something a little different, and it's bold, and it's big time, that we would choose to submit to the Christ-like responses that Jesus wants to have through us. See, Paul, when he was writing this to the, to the church of Ephesus, again, it's Ephesians chapter four, verse two. It's gonna be a light bulb for some of us. He's not saying this speaking down to you in the room. He's going, you wanna know what I want? I got something so much better for you, and I'm just gonna cut right to the chase. You wanna know what you need to do? Choose to be humble. Well, I don't feel like it. He's like, it wasn't a matter of feeling. Just choose it. Just choose humbleness. Choose to be gentle. Choose to be patient. And I see verses like this all over the pages of Scripture where we get insight into relational dynamics where it's not a suggestion, it's us stepping out. But it goes on to say, make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I actually showed that to Carrie this week and go, hey, see, here you go. Now that's for me, okay? I, I got faults, you gotta make allowance for them. You know, and, and that was supposed to be funnier than it is. But the truth is, for me, I need Carrie and I need myself in the context of our marriage to live those verses out because, boy, do I have a lot of faults. Now, she doesn't have nearly as many as me, but she's got some, just you know she does. But I want to just air out some of mine. For me, I'm demanding. I just am. I'm high strung. I like things done right. I'm demanding. I'm good at guilt. I just am. I fight every fiber of that when it comes to church, but I'm really good at it with family, guilting people in my family. I'm easily offended. I've learned this about myself. I mean, you could say something, I'm mean, not you because I'm not whatever, but, but Carrie could say something to me and I'm just offended. I'm like, forget it. 
forget it. You don't like me anymore. You know, it's like I'm just easily offended. And, and what she calls a fault, I actually call a very good thing about me. I like Cheetos, and she doesn't think that's cool. She thinks that's a fault of mine. And the other day, I was eating Cheetos so stinking loud watching the Warriors play basketball, the, the Golden State Warriors. I'm sitting there chomping on Cheetos 9 o'clock at night, and she goes, will you knock that off? And I go, no, I'm a grown man. I can do whatever I want. And she says, yes, you're a grown man, and you're eating Cheetos. <laughs> and she's like, obviously, you can't make decisions on your own. And I've just learned this. As we are imperfect together, we need a lot of patience for one another, we can, especially when I'm eating those things. We got to love each other in the best way. I love what this verse says in Hebrews 13. It says we're going to give honor to marriage, and we're going to remain faithful to one another. That's what we got to do. So today, what I want to do for the rest of our mornings, I just want to look at the very first marriage. I want to draw some insights out of this incredible story. It's the story of Adam and Eve, and, and for some of you who grew up in church, you're going to go, oh yeah, that's right in the beginning of the Bible. Others of you are going to go, oh yeah, that's the spot where I think that Christians believe how God made the world, and, and I'm just going to tell you this. Some of you might not even believe that, and that's your decision. But what we can glean from this story, whether you believe it or not, is some incredible insights into relationships and what God wants to do in and through our lives. Now, Adam and Eve are the first two to get married and to navigate through this. And I'm telling you what, this stuff is brilliant. But here's how the story picks up. It says, then the Lord God said, and this is after he had created the world, after he created Adam, he says, it's not good for the man to be alone, which, whoa, lesson there. I make some of my biggest mistakes when I'm isolated. When I'm left to my own, let us not be confused that us, <laughs> we were created to be imperfect together, to have people in our lives to help us out. It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, which I don't think was hard for that guy. You know, it's just like, just go to sleep. And he's like, done, got it. You know, all right, so it goes on to say this in the next verse. While the man slept, the Lord took, one, took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. I love this next part of the verse. It goes on, at last, the man exclaimed. I love that. He's like, hallelujah. You know, this is way better than the hippo. You know, he's like, this one is bone from my bone and this is flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from the man. And then it wraps up this story with this last couple verses. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now, the man and his wife were both naked. And I'll just leave that right there. And they felt no shame. They felt no shame. I want everybody to help me out with these two words, no shame on the counter. One, two, three, no shame. I mean, wouldn't that be a blessing if we had no shame in our marriage, no shame in our relationships? Today, I want to teach a message on having no shame. Now, I can't go into every area, but I'm telling you, right in this story, I I see three areas that there's no shame in, that we can live in freedom. Some of you are going, I just need a next step for my relationship today. Tony, I need some help today. Now I'm going to go, write that down. You know, there's no shame in these three things that I'm about to share with you. The first one, jot this down. There's no shame in wowing with words. I know you're like, what? That's the best thing that you could have came up with all week, and I'm telling you, that's as good as I got, okay? So there's no shame when it comes to wowing with your words. Adam knew this. 
Or maybe he didn't notice and he just tripped into it, and I'm going to give him all credit, not me credit on this. Picture the context. You have Adam standing there, and God creates this incredibly beautiful woman. And she steps into the picture, and as she steps in, he, he wows her with his words. There's no shame in when you're wowing each other with your words, and you want to know exactly what he says? He says this, at last. It's almost like I can picture my wedding day, and I'm seeing Carrie walking down, I'm going, it's about time. It's a, I'm glad. I know the, the pre-party was fun, but I'm telling you, the post is going to be way more fun. You know what I'm saying? He said, at last. And every time I've read that this week, I actually had this song come into my brain. And some of you guys will know this song. It's a, the, 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 you know, the writer was Etta James, and she sings it kind of like this. I'll just I'll play a quick clip for you. At last. Yeah, oh, come on now. Okay, yeah. We'll keep it going. You guys want me to go? I'll go. My love has come along. Do you want me to keep going? No, you don't want me to keep going. Shut it off. Shut it off. We'll get Ryan back up here. Okay. But that's kind of what I see. Do you see that in the scripture? I see that. I mean, you see this woman coming. He's going, Adelaide. You know, he's just like, I don't know why. It sounds like Urkel to me. You know, like, I don't know why. But I'm, I don't miss this. Don't miss this. There's no shame when you wow with your words. I wanna, I'm going to share with you. I'm going to get real vulnerable. There's some words that I've used with me and Carrie over the last 11, I think it's 11 years, maybe it's 12, I forget, but 11 or 12 years that there are no shame in. Okay? How about this one? I love you. Listen, I, I made a commitment. I'm going to make sure that woman of mine knows that I love her. And I'm going to tell her that until she's like, Stop. Go eat Cheetos, you know, do that. It's like, I know you love me, okay? I know you love me. Or how about this one? You're beautiful. And I put this one down there. You're like my family. I know you guys get to learn more about me than you'd ever wish to know. Every single night since we've been married, I tell Carrie this. I love you. And I go, wow. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. That's, and I, just, I just had this picture. I was like, that's how I want to crawl into bed with my bride every night. For her to get into bed and just know she is beautiful and she's loved. Some of you can wow with your words tonight because you got my words, all right? Use mine and just don't even give me credit. I do not want credit for that area of your life, okay? But you, you are beautiful. I can't believe I get to be married to you. Oh, at last. I can't believe I get to be married to you. When you do, and I'm not going to tell you what it is for me, but when you do blank, I go weak in the knees. When you do that, wow. I go weak in the knees. I'm blown away by you. Wow. It's a big deal. To wow with your words. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. To, to say I wrestled with this message a little bit this week is a massive understatement. Because I know the complexities that some of you step into into the room. Relationships and dating and and, and divorce and re and, and all these, there's some giant complexities and, and some of us have been burned by this in the past and we're not sure how to navigate it. And, and there's gonna be moments moving forward where you go, I don't feel like wowing them with my words. I don't feel like, you know, building them up. And I go, I know. Man, I know. I know. Not every night do I wanna say, I love you, you're beautiful, but sometimes I just say it, you know? It's like I just do it. Because why? I want to share with you why this, again, it might be big for some of you. It's because feelings don't determine how you act and speak. Now, they, they can if you let them. 
Your feelings can, if you let them, determine how you act and speak. But I'm telling you, feelings are never a good driver of your life. Never. You want to know who is a great driver of your life? Jesus determining how you act and speak. Saying, you know what? Today I, today I feel like is, is leaving it up for too much great chance. Because one day I might have a great day, the other day I might have a tough day at work and I go home and I don't feel like it. But you want to know who keeps it consistent? Jesus does. Jesus, I want you to tell me how I'm supposed to let my words impact my spouse. And when we do that, gang, I'm telling you what, it's giant. It's absolutely big in our lives. I actually wrote this down for, for some of us, in, or I didn't write this down, Paul wrote this down. He gives us an idea of what Jesus would want for our words. He says, don't use foul and abusive language. You know, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. He's basically getting at a list here of saying, it really matters how you communicate. Yes, there's no shame when you wow with your words, but I'm telling you, there is massive shame when you don't wow with your words. So how you speak actually matters. I made a list. How you speak actually matters. When you speak matters. The attitude that you speak actually matters. The tone that you share it in matters. Your volume matters. And so for some of you, you're going, I'm a hopeless cause. And I'm going, yeah, I know. I know you are. I want to help. I do. And that's the whole ball game for us is, is, is we're not alone in this. That we can actually have guidance for our lives. But it takes us saying, God, I, I need your help. God, on my own, it's been X amount of years for me, 33 years of my life, I still haven't figured out how to hold my tongue. God, will you help me? And he can. I want to share with you two prayers in regards to the words that we speak. And I'm telling you, these are prayers worth memorizing. In Psalm 141, verse 3, it says, Take control of what I say and guard my lips. Isn't that brilliant? Take control. God, I need you to take control of what I say and guard my lips, and he'll, he will. Now, he won't force you from not speaking something, but I'm telling you, when you start praying prayers like this, it's right in the scripture, it's not even making it up. When you start praying prayers like this, God's going to prompt you at times, and he'll say, don't say that. Do not say that. I can't tell you how many kitchen conversations I feel like God's saying, like, don't go there, Tone. Not worth it, buddy. Nope, nope, zip it. And Carrie's like, what? You want to say something? I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. You know, just like, we'll say it out loud. Mm-mm. No, I'm guarding my lips. <laughs> so I'm t- it's a blessing. Guard those suckers. Another verse on this in Psalm uh, 19, verse 4. I was actually talking with, with somebody right here in the, in the room before the service started. And she said, I prayed this prayer. I prayed this prayer every single morning for the last 30 years. I was like, has it helped? She's like, oh, yeah, it's helped. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start praying it now too. Every single day, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. God, my rock and my redeemer. I want my words to be pleasing to God and I'm telling you, if they're pleasing to him, they'll bless other people. There's no shame in wowing with your words. There's no shame in that. Now, I've just spent the entire morning talking about words, and there's three other things that I want to talk about, you know, but I'm going to race through one of them real quick and get to, to, to a follow-up. There's no shame in wowing with your words. You have that one. There's no shame in the two becoming one. Now, I'm going to tease you with this 
not on purpose, but I'm going to try and tell you, you got to be back next week. Next week, we're talking about the two becoming one, and I'm not talking so much about the physical side of that, but I'm talking about the, the, the act of marriage. What does it look like for the two to become one? We're actually going to, I'm actually going to share with you the Ten Commandments, I made that up, Ten Commandments of a great marriage. And it's just going to be, you're going to feel like, man, I went to, to school today. I'm just going to be writing down all morning long. Ten commandments. Commandment number one, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And you're going to feel like you got handles for the morning. Every once in a while, I feel like I need to, to just really go teacher mode, not preacher mode, and really give us handles. But here's where we get this. There's no shame. When two people become one, when they submit to each other and they, they, they link up with one another, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and, the, and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. It's beautiful when this happens. I'm telling you what, we can learn how to become one afresh. For some of us who've been married a long time and we're just trying to figure this out or on the beginning sides, this is perfect. Get on back. Ten commandments of marriage. I'm going to share them next week and it'll be a blessing to us. But the last one is simply this. There's no shame in being second. There's no shame in being second. Um, real quick, the band, uh, we're going to skip a video because I want to get you guys out on time. Uh, somebody in the back, this is way different than I normally am, and you'd know this. If you want to let the band know that they can come up, I'm going to go back to this screen, actually, um, so they don't have to wonder. So if there's a band people in here, you can, you can get ready. Go back to this screen, though. There's no shame in being second. We got this from this. Now, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. They felt no shame. And come with me. I just want to wrap it up with these last few thoughts. And we'll sing together because it's we'll driving home. There was no shame in these two because what they did when they got married, they were close to God. They were already second. God was first in their lives. And so they stepped in and they were naked. And yeah, that's kind of funky. But they were naked, and, but they had no shame because their life was centered on who God was. You read a couple verses later, they make massive mistakes and they blow up the whole thing. Okay, this is, so congratulations. If you've done it, so have the first two people. Okay, they've done it too. But, but the, the truth still remains. If you want no shame in your life, it starts when you understand that you don't have to be in first place of your life. That you say, you know what, God, I'm choosing to trust you with everything, to trust you with my marriage, to trust you with my words. God, I'm no longer first. I can't be the king of my life. I am so imperfect. I have to choose you, God, to be first place, me to be second. One pastor, his name's Craig Rochelle down in Oklahoma. We've watched videos of Craig here. He says that we're no longer, if you're single, you're not looking for a number one in your life. You're looking for a two. You're looking for your two because your one is Jesus. And you keep him at the first place of your life, then as you two grow closer together, you grow closer to Jesus, and it's everything. I'm wondering today if some of you have stepped into this room and there's marital conflicts, maybe there's relational conflicts, maybe there's dating conflicts, and it's because the pressure you put on your number two to be your number one is a pressure they were never meant to have. Your number two is supposed to be your helper, your partner, your spouse. They're not supposed to be your God the one who fulfills all your needs, the one who can hold the weight of your hope and your dreams, that is found in one person. His name is Jesus. And he would love nothing greater for your imperfect together relationship to be rooted, to be centered, 
to be trusted, to be anchored all on the person, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you what, I'll get you out on this. Carrie and I, we stepped into marriage and we never put the pressure on each other to be God. So when she blows it, I can take serious the scripture. We're gonna, we're gonna be patient. We're gonna bear with one another. We're gonna make allowance for each other's faults. We don't shame each other's faults because I never expect her to be somebody without faults. Get how that works? I don't shame her with her faults. It's a greater reminder. You're not God, and I have God in my life. When I screw up, she doesn't think, oh, geez, well, way to go. You've blown it, God. No, no. She knows that she has an anchor in her life, Jesus, that she can hold on to whenever I'm screwing up, whenever I'm blowing it, and it keeps us, it keeps the pressure to the respectable level, level for our marriage where we get to love each other, submit to each other, honor one another, but we do it not because of what each other do for one another. We do it because Christ compels us to love one another. The, it's really submitting my life. It's being second. There's no shame in saying, God, I need you to be everything in my life so that I can love the best, so that I can lead the best, so that I can take care of my spouse the best, so we can be imperfectly together for the rest of our lives. I want to pray for your relationships. Then we're going to sing a song that I think will help us remind one another that we are imperfect together, but we have a God who deserves to be in first place. Would you pray this with me? God, today I'm thanking you for how good you are. I'm thanking you so much for how much you love us. I'm grateful for mornings like today where we get to be reminded where there's no shame. There's no shame when we wow each other with our words. Somebody in the room needs to leave here today going, I gotta change how I speak to my bride, to my husband. But my fear, God, and my fear for all of you is that you would leave here feeling like you've gotta be the one who changes, that you've gotta be the one who does it on your strength. You'll miss out on the power of being second, saying, God, I'm doing this for you. Through your strength, through your power, I work within me. I want that so badly for all of us. Jesus, would you help us? Give us strength to do this, to love each other in a powerful way. We pray this in your name. Amen.